I'm Tony Lockwood, founder of Thompson Wright Partners, and I'm delighted to welcome you to the latest episode of Inside Track, where I discuss business transformation journeys with leading figures in industry. After a short break for the summer holidays, I'm delighted to be back with the latest episode of the Inside Track podcast. Today, I'm joined by Kieran Duck, an Australian uh, transformation leader that's uh, recently written a book. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about that in more detail as we go through the show. Um, uh, but uh, I'd be delighted to introduce you to him now. So here's Kieran. So after, after a short break for some holidays, it's great to be back and to welcome you to the uh, Inside uh, Track podcast, Kieran. Thank you for agreeing to join us. Yeah, I'm, I'm also pleased to say that you're the first Australian that we've had on the pod, so uh, hopefully the first of many in the coming months. But thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, really um, pleased to be here. Absolutely. Uh, after, after a career in, uh, within top consultancies, um, you established a boutique before moving into the corporate life in, in Qantas. And in recent years, you, you've moved back into leading transformations across various organisations and sectors. So that, that, obviously, that's a very whistle-stop tour of your 30-plus year experience in changing transformation. And I'm sure we'll explore more as we go through the show. But please, can you let the, the listeners know a little bit more about you and the rationale for your career decisions that you've taken today? Yeah, sure. Um, so I've been involved in project rescues, business transformations for quite a few years. In fact, somebody pointed out the other day that was since last century, uh, which was <laughs> very flattering, but definitely true. So as you mentioned, I've been advised at all sorts of different companies, financial services, mines, railways, all sorts of things, um, and been accountable for some transformation. So there's a few scars along the way. I mean, most recently I was a transformation director in an electricity utility, um, which is a fascinating industry. It's, it's changing at a phenomenal pace. Certainly as the price of renewables comes down and climate change is having effect, um, th that business had that problem of both trying to catch up to being at the, the industry standard, but also the industry itself was, was changing so rapidly, you know, changing expectations of customers and shareholders. Um, and so that was a, a, a really dynamic and changing situation. And, and it's that sort of thing that draws me to transformations, the fact that it is, it is never the same, it's always moving, it's always changing. That's, and, and that's a perfect segue into the first question of, of every one of these pods. How do you define transformation? Yeah, I, I think many people, when defining transformation, focus on you know the change in people, process, and technologies. I've always thought of transformation as a, it's an act of opening up possibility for what's next, the possibility for a better way of operating, better way of serving customers, better way of competing, and and staying in in business. I mean, when I was at um, at Qantas, we went through a transformation that took out $2 billion worth of cost. And, you know, 5,000 jobs were reduced. I mean, it was tough. A lot of good people left the organisation. But what happened was we came out the other side of that journey with increased customer satisfaction, employee engagement and profitability. Now, um, you know, with hindsight, that was quite a few years ago, but it made it possible to, to weather the current turmoil that the aviation industry has been in for the past two years. If we hadn't done that transformation, it's unlikely 
that Qantas would be anywhere near what it is, you know, in the position it's in today and being able to, to recover after, okay. the, after the pandemic. And was and was the the driver for that to reduce cost, or was the driver to improve customer satisfaction? You know, what what was the main driver for that that transformation? There was need to move on all dimensions, but one of the crucial ones was the fact that the organisation wasn't returning its cost of capital, right. and it would not invest in new planes until you could see a return on that capital, and yeah. you could see this downward spiral of old planes, a high cost to run, we're losing money because we're high cost, so we've got no money to invest in new planes and therefore we're high cost. It's this vicious downward spiral. So the transformation was was absolutely about making sure that the business returned its cost of capital so that we could invest for the future. Yeah, yeah, interesting. And like you say, it's so easy, isn't it, for organizations to get into that downward spiral because uh, until you actually started to invest then the uh, the customer service experience would have been reduced you know you, you want yeah. more competition coming into market you just go lower and lower and lower don't you so uh, yeah absolutely understand that um, and, and it's also not just you know sort of setting up for what's next it's not just in the way we do things but also the, the way we think about the world you could see this real shift in uh, from the history of the business very focused almost internally to be much more about thinking about the world outside. And, and interesting, I much is that is that shift in thinking as much as the shift in doing. No, I agree. And, and uh, I think it's very interesting because that, 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 that's culture, isn't it? And that's very difficult to change uh, in my experience and takes men, uh, in, sometimes many, many years to change. But it, you've got to start that process off somewhere. Yeah, yeah, and and as you know, as we all know, it's a lot. Easy. I was going to say it's a lot easier to change when you've got a crisis. I mean, we we um, you know had experience at Qantas, we experienced a, a loss. There was extremely high competition, so we're in a bad spot. You know, the change isn't easy, but it makes it easier to have that clarity of purpose. Yeah, it's that burning platform, isn't it? It's uh, yeah, without a burning yeah. platform, it's very difficult to get people's mindsets into into the new ways of working because they, they won't they don't understand the rationale for for, for the change. And uh, if there's a burning platform, they do because it, it it's um, you know it, it it's it becomes the, the, the immediate driver, doesn't it? So. Mm, yeah, and and there's that there is an active debate as to whether you know a burning platform is this negative idea. Or is it better to have something that draws you forward, the the beach you're going to, the future that, that you want? And and I, I can debate either. I mean, yes, it's it's better to have the positive that drives you forward, but sometimes um, that's not enough. No, yeah, it, it, it reminds me actually of a program I got heavily involved in um, in the last century as well. <laughs> I really that. Um, yeah. Uh, it was one of the UK banks, and uh, uh, the burning platform was that um, um, there was a loss. Um, although it, it was, um, they, they did everything to to ensure that you know, from a public perspective, it, a bank at that time couldn't couldn't. It was unforeseeable for to say that they'd made a loss, um, but in, in in reality, it was very close to uh, to making a loss. Um, so you could argue um, the burning platform was it's a it's a bank in a loss making position. We need to do something different. 
Um, but actually, uh, the chief exec at the time turned it on its head to say, you know, we were eight years away from the millennium um, and he, he set the business up um, to uh, drive um, a billion by the millennium um, and, and in terms mm-hmm. of profitability. Um, yeah. And everyone caught hold of this billion by the millennium. Um, mm. And then um, I, th- I think from, um, from memory, they did it in six years, so two years ahead of schedule. Yeah, um, yeah. And, it, and, it, and it is you could you could have easily said the burning platform was the was uh, the, the loss making position, but actually the thing that really drove the business forward that everyone bought into and caught onto was this this phrase "billion by the millennium." Yeah, yeah. So um, you've recently published a book, haven't you, Kieran? The complete yes. project toolkit using design thinking to transform the delivery of your hardest project. Can, yeah, you provide, yeah. can you provide the listeners with a brief summary of the approach yeah. that you discussed within the book? Um, actually, what, what I might, um, I'll tell you the story that sparked the book. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, I was actually um, working on a turnaround of a large infrastructure project and we'd gone out to a team dinner. And after the team dinner, the project analyst um came up to me and said, and this was the guy who was working out what's our chance of success and doing all his stochastic analysis and details, and he said to me, I know this dinner has has improved our chance of success, but I don't know how to model it. (laughs) And what that did for me was go, well, what's missing from the way we think about project complexity um, in the current model? And as I pulled it apart, I saw that standard project management thinking is actually based on science. It's it's trying to drive predictability and certainty and having a good repeatable process. Um, and basically science tries to take the individual out of the equation. Yeah. You go back to the scientific revolution, that's what it was all about, this, this move from story to data. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can draw those links on this scientific revolution through to modern project management. So I, I went looking for a different way of thinking. If, if it isn't a scientific model, what's the alternate model? And design thinking, which actually puts people at the centre, look at the whole of the parts, not just individual bits, um, is, a, is a way of thinking that I think represents what's happening with complexity. So on the basis of that, I worked up a new toolkit around mindsets, practices and skills that work well in complexity. They're tools and techniques that I've used on projects. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's it's mindsets like um, be willing to give up knowing and always be curious about things. Um, how, how do you hold space in complexity for things to emerge? What's the practices associated with that? Where you've got to give space for time, give time and space for things to emerge, but also you've got to keep moving. So you've got to find a way even when you don't know the way through. Mm. Um, and the skills are things like, um, you know, in those situations, how do you ask good questions? How do you sense and respond what's going on? So, yeah, the book came out from me just thinking, is there a better way to think about project management? Interesting. And going back to the, um, the analyst there then, uh, when, when you when you yep. discussed that with him or her, um, what, what was what was their what was their views of of, of the toolkit that you uh, that you ultimately developed? 
or, or the discussion that you had around the, 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 the toolkit? Yeah, that, they got it. Um, they could read it. They could understand. Sorry, they, they could read it. They could understand it. But I still think they they were very attached to the certainty that the numbers gave them. Yeah. You know, for me, I'm talking about the ability to 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 listen well, to um, you know, actively break things on the project so that you learn to bring this focus onto learning. And and I I think for that person. You know, it was it was almost you know a step too far to think about it. But a lot of um, the senior program managers that I've spoken to see within this things that they're already doing. Yeah. So um, I think those who operate well in complexity would probably read the book and go, "Yes, that that's now described what I do." But I do see the opportunity for people who are willing to sort of. Um, take on a different view or come at projects from a different direction is really what this this book is about yeah it's interesting because um you know what you just described there um people uh, would typically say they're the soft skills they are the Mm -hmm. um that they're they're the things that um uh, not technical they're 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 not they're not processed they're the softer skills but actually in, in reality they're the hardest skills that you could it takes to develop um, and some people quite natural the, the the way that they engage with people the way that they interact with people is more from an inquis- inquisitive perspective asking lots of yeah. questions a lot of people that are so much more process driven are, are very rigid in the thinking aren't they and 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 it's just as you say just a case of stepping back and creating that space to think differently and to look at things from a different perspective and, and, yeah, and, and to engage with people in, 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 a, in, a, in a much more um, real way. Yes, and, and I think part of the difficulty is, that, you know, a lot of project managers have technical backgrounds, have technical disciplines, and most technical discipline, disciplines have a right and wrong. And when you're right, you're right, and you're wrong. So you, you get paid for being right. Yes. And so this idea of um, your, ne- and which is, again, a very scientific mindset, right, wrong is very scientific. Um, but now you're managing people and, and now you're into um, no longer a, a, a science-based approach, but one where you're dealing with um, a discussion or an argument or a conversation. Um, and in those, listening becomes important. Questioning becomes important. That's how you generate new knowledge because the, the, the answer is generated by the group. I mean, I, I can give you another story, um, I think, that really shows the difference with um, complexity now. And that's from um, the Snowy Mountain Scheme was a large um, infrastructure development in Australia. It started in 1949, and it was a big um, hydroelectricity irrigation scheme in southeastern Australia took 25 years to build and we had to import a whole bunch of capability from overseas. Um, They built dams, which created new lakes, flooded a few towns, Um, but it was finished 25 years later in 1974 and it was considered nation building and one of the most amazing projects we've ever done. But the problem was... um, in the 1990s, they realised the environmental impact this was having because the river was no 
no longer flowing the way it used to. So there was an agreement to restore the flows. Now, all the arguments that went on, those flows downstream on the Snowy River were restored in 2017. The point of that is it took us 25 years to build this massive system, huge um, hundreds of kilometres of tunnels and pipes and dams. It took us 25 years to build that. It then took us 25 years to allow more water to flow mm. down the river. And that's, what we're hap that's what's happening now is that these projects have got more... It's, it's no longer about the difficulty of constructing things. It's the argument you need to carry on with the locals or with social media. That's what's driving the complexity. Yes. And that brings forward a different toolkit for project managers today where it's no longer about, it's no longer purely about um, time and task and sequencing and, and, and getting things to turn up to site on time. It's about managing that broader context. Yeah, we, we talk a lot on the on the pod about taking people on that journey, um, but I think what what uh, what you you've crystallised here is is more about the the how you look to take people on the journey. So you don't yeah. take them on the journey; you invite them into the journey and invite the uh, invite them to have uh, an input into what that journey looks like, um, and, and 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 by. Um, asking questions and listening to responses, then people um, will, will will go on that journey with you um, if it's the right journey for for for, for the organisation. Yeah, and and you know, I, I, that's one part of the skills. Another part of it is also then what does that mean for your project? How do you rethink the approach? How do you sense and respond? How do you coordinate action when this thing's moving? So it's it's one thing. Yes, it, there's one thing about involving people, but there is also a point at which we've got to get this done. Yeah, and we've got to move forward on those. I, I'm um, one one of the tools that I'm accredited on is is, is something called the GC Index, and um, uh, an element of that looks at whether you are as an individual, um, whether you um, are motivated more by people or more by tasks. And that balance between task focus and people focus. Yeah. Um, fascinating tool if you've if, if you've if you've come across it, or certainly want to, to look at. Um, but uh, but again, it, it's it's having that balance, isn't it? Um, so yeah. and, and all too often, people tend to be um, uh, tend to be either very task focused or very people focused. And actually, the, mm. the skill is is having that balance. And 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 yeah. Take, taking people on the journey but certainly making sure that you know we we, we, we are progressing and we are um, moving towards the, 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 the desired end result yeah and making it easier for them to understand why and where and how yes yeah so on your LinkedIn profile you you also mm -hmm. say um, um, that uh, you have a passion for simplifying the way businesses operate and yeah. improve the existence for those involved. You know, do you want to just expand on that and what, what you mean by that and, and, and give some examples of, of how you've done that? Yeah, so for me, I think, um, and it's a big part of the, the whole complexity piece, is you need to simplify the world to be able to deal with it. When we allow complexity to, to run rampant, it just overloads us. And so I'm really interested in how... Um, we take the time to, to, to reframe things um, and 
simplify how things work. Um, you know, if I go back to Qantas, we had we had a, um, a situation there with the old 747s, brilliant aircraft. But when I started there, we had seven different interior configs, internal configurations, seat arrangements, and the fleet was down to about 14 aircraft. So it's a massive amount of complexity in that. Yeah. Now, by the time I left, we, we were down to two configs. And that drives, you know, without doing much else, it drives significant um, cost reduction. There's a simpler supply chain. It drives uh, easier training, uh, makes it easier to swap aircraft if there's any kind of um, problem that occurs. So for me, simplicity has the significant impacts all the way through cost, customer service, um, and just makes it easier to do your job. So yeah. for me, that's that's why um, uh, simplicity is such a, a big thing. And within that, um, as I mentioned there, it makes it easier for people to, to, to do their job well. Um, but the point about um, improving the experience of people, um, one thing I, I really believe is that and it comes back to this difference between science and design. When it comes to science, science is very good for telling us how how far we are away from the moon and measuring physical things. But design thinking is much more about the um, things where we get to decide how they operate. How big is the project team? Um, what's the best form of taxation? There are a whole bunch of questions here that are... Um, things where we get to create the answer. There's no physical, you know, gravitational constant we're dealing with here. We get to create the answer. And that's what it's like in organisations. And when we get to create the, the way we operate, we get to choose how the organisation is set up. Is it going to be a generative place or is it going to be a horrible place to work? Yeah. We get that choice. And, and, and I agree that sort of that drive to simplicity um, is 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 the way forward because over time you typically will find a, a process has been adapted to meet a specific need and and it's been adapted again and adapted again and adapted again so suddenly you've got all these different variations uh, of yeah. something that was originally very very simple and if you just go back to that simple simple way of working often it, it works and and uh, but over time, it's just got more and more complicated. And your example that you just give on, on, on Qantas there, um, I, it, I remember reading a book many years ago about Southwest Airlines and, and the, the whole premise of Southwest Airlines, which which was, the I think, one of the first of the low-cost operators, was we yeah. have yeah. one standard plane with one standard configuration, um, and, and, and it was just to get it down to just one version of, yes. of everything because yeah. then it becomes really easy to train people people can really buy into it and, and, and deliver the best and from a customer's perspective they know what to expect yeah, um, yeah. And, and 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 that and they radically changed the airline industry didn't they there's, there's even stories of them ordering new aircraft and so if you like dumbing down that aircraft, turning off some new features yeah. so they matched the previous ones until they got to a certain size where half the fleet, they can now turn that feature on. So yeah. you had that that consistency. The other thing too, um, you, you mentioned there about the complexity growing. Um, I, I also think that simplicity isn't simple. 
Yeah. Um, you know, you can have simplistic changes. I'm going to get a bit, bit detailed on the words here. Um, you can make simplistic changes, but if you really want to simplify something, you have to really understand the situation, um, look at it in different ways, and I, I use the term that simplicity lies on the other side of complexity. You've got to go through the work, understand the situation to come up with a, um, a thing that cuts through, like your uh, billion by the millennium. That, that yeah. cuts through. That wouldn't have been the first thing they thought of. Absolutely. It's, it reminds me of a story that I heard, again, God knows, 30 years ago on one of the <laughs> motivational audio tapes when uh, when audio tapes were were, were thing uh, and i can't remember who it was that was relaying the story um but um, the, the the premise of the story was that someone had gone to um thanksgiving it was an american story thanksgiving day um and the the turkey was a uh, um, was was cut in half and and the question was, why, why do you cut in half? Well, that's because my mother used to do it and that it was always the way that we would do it. Okay, so let's go and find out why why, why your mother did it. So what mm. ask the question to the mother, why did why why do you cut it in half? Well, that's the way that my mother used to do it. Um and the other story then sort of expands through many, many um, um sort of levels of family. And it turns out well that you know originally the the the, uh, the, the original person that started the tradition, shall we say, um, yeah. um, um, that she had to cut the turkey in half because her oven wasn't big enough, um, <laughs> and, and and it was, wasn't it? You know, you, you, it's it, the 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 concept of just asking why. Why do you yeah. do it in this way? Okay, but you do it. You, you've said that's the reason why, but why? And that sort of five five whys uh, mm. approach I find really really useful because often people do stuff because other people have always done it that way not necessarily because it's the right, the, the right way of doing it. Yeah, and, and actually, which triggers for me, one of the things I, I mentioned in the book is one of the mindsets is this why before what? Mm. So, you know, often on projects, particularly when there's complexity, it, where we don't quite understand, we'll just say, well, what, what, what do you want me to do? And in doing that, we now get clarity of what you've asked for and I can go and deliver the what, the thing, the stuff, and I'll get the tick for delivering it, but it might miss the point because we never asked why. Change is 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 a constant. We 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 know that, and and um, that's why we uh, operate in, in in the way that we do. Uh, it gives us opportunities each and every day. Um, but, you know, you've got uh, the highly competitive market conditions, disruptive technologies that are changing the face of traditional business models. We, we, we've just spoken about one in the way that the airline industry was changed. Um, so, so how do you, you know, how do you go about establishing the right conditions um, for that change, and and equally maintaining the momentum as you go through the transformation? What 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 are the key elements that you mm. need to see within uh, yeah. within that transformation program? I I think there's really um, for me, in terms of delivering a program, there are three sort of big levers that I go back to. And one we've talked to already, the, the clarity of purpose. You know, simplified to make it easy to, to communicate, to prioritise. You know, when I go back to the electricity utility, we, we had two elements. It was reducing costs for customers and building the capability for the future. Those were the two things. You can carry them with you. 
a billion by the millennium. You can carry that with you. So both a um, that clarity of purpose and making it easier to hold on to is really quite important. It keeps you moving through the hard times, through the uncertainty. And if you're unsure whether we're doing the right thing, you can anchor back on that. So that's that's the first thing, that clarity of purpose. I think the second thing to do well in transformation is actually quite a, this might seem opposite to what I mentioned in the book, but a structured approach to project management. I'm not saying that it needs to be the standard approach. You need to have a common way of operating so that people know the rules, know the language. You can't have everybody firing off in their own direction. Yeah. You need to have this structured approach to cost, benefits, timing, resources, risks, dependencies, all those elements. And they need to be at the right level for the organisation. There was one place I worked where they had a five-page document for benefit definition. And it was it was absolutely a waste of time. It had <laughs> grown up over the years, but it was so countercultural. In fact, they had a name of it that they referred to it as a contract. People were unsure, is this part of my employment contract now? Yes. So we killed that off, right? You know, it's, it's got to... The, the, the approach that you use has to match the environment. You, you, you can't just come in, hey, this worked over there, let's put it in here. It, it's got to match the environment. Um, you've got to have that clarity of rules. Yeah. Now, what resource, now, down in detail, what resources get built to projects? What defines a project versus BAU? Um, clarity of stage gates. So for me, I think uh, this structured approach to, to the whole program is is the second um, major piece that I always want to see is in place for these things to work well. And the third piece that I really focus on is having the right team, particularly the right team around me. And I'll always want to know I've got a good finance person, a good project planner, a good change person, and a good architect. You know, for me, they are the um, essential core to running a, a, a good program well. Um, but the right team also extends to the stream leads. Um, generally, they tend to be operational people, don't have a project background. Often you need to educate them on what's different for a project versus operation. And I think I've, I've found you also need to give them as much support but also be willing to, to change them out if it isn't working. You know, I've seen some very really successful operational managers not be able to make that shift into a project environment. Um, and I think also filling out the team, and this is, I think, as I've got older, I'm more willing to use advisory services. You know, you want to have that have a team or some individuals that you really trust. I mean, I, I was working on a program. We were spending $50 million on data on analytics, on structuring the data. I didn't know if we were spending too much or too little. Um, you know, I, I just didn't know that topic well enough. Yeah. That's where an advisor helps. Um, integrating systems, some of these very technical um, um, environments, I'm looking for people who can explain it well. I mean, I've got an IT background, um, but I still rely on others to, to guide me through that. Um, yeah, so for me, that, that, that third piece is, is having the right team around you. 
Yeah, I, I think um, you know what you've just described. Though I think it's is is a real sort of key strength of a, of a good leader. It's it's to get people around you that are better than you in 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 in, yeah. in their core areas, um, so that you've got the, the the best that you can possibly get around you, and and um, and then as you say, engage with them, ask the right questions, bring them along, and 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 you know that that team then becomes really 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 powerful. Just coming back to one of the things that you were just saying there, um, mm-hmm. the when you when you have when you brought maybe an operational person into the project team and, and yep. it's not worked out for them, all too often um, I, I find that um, there's a there's a reluctance to remove people from the project team um, yeah. because of the way that it comes across, the impact that it might have on the individual. Um, so you, you 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 know you 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 then uh, get blockages, um, and and that can create problems in the in, in 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 itself. So, how do you go about? What you know? Just can you just talk through some of your the, the approach that you take in terms of um, taking those people out that are not really adding that, and well, not necessarily adding value, but not necessarily the right type of person uh, that, yeah. that, that you need within the project. Yeah, there's a, there's a few things on that. One is that. Um, and I'm talking about the stream lead rather than the sponsor. Yeah, changing a sponsor is really hard. Yes, um, that's 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 a whole different conversation. Um, but changing a stream lead, um, it's never it's never just um, a surprise. Um, it, it, it's not like you've suddenly decided that hey, it's Monday, we need to change somebody out. This is often something that's you know not the first conversation. There's been a few discussions, but it's, it's the conversation with the sponsor who is um, accountable for the outcome and worried about the outcome. And you know, for me as a program director, transformation lead, um, I'm standing in the result we're trying to create. And really what I'm you know, fundamentally saying here is that we can get that result better. It's better for everyone. You know, I've, I've seen some people drowning in these roles. Yeah. They're just yeah. not enjoying it. It's going to be better for the individual. It's going to be better for the result um, that we, we change things up. Now, the, the messaging around that, um, you've got to do it with care and it's got to match the organisation. I mean, I, I do know of a, <clears throat> I've been involved in a number of organisations where projects are seen as an exit lounge and they want to get back to the operation yeah. because they worry that, you know, if you get shoved on a project, you're no good at your job, uh, which is really, really the wrong way to be. Um, but so, yeah, for me, it's, it's um, a, a careful conversation and it can't be a surprise. Yeah, I agree. Um, and and, and uh, it's like, as you say, it's taking the emotion out of it, isn't it, and focusing on the outcomes. And uh, yeah. when you do that, and um, I often find that, as, as you just said, um, it just it won't come as a surprise to the person. And actually, it's the right, that they, they feel it's the right solution for them. Um, so they're, they're not necessarily enjoying themselves in, 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 the, in the projects as well. So yeah, just there's normally to, a sense of relief, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so just coming towards the, the the end of of our session today, uh, always we always end with with um, with one question. So if you uh, if you if you could only have one thing um, um, that you is the essential part of of successful transformation, 
what's what's that one takeaway um, for, for 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 that you want to leave people with today? Yeah, I I think if you can, if there's only one thing uh, for me, transformation, the fundamental thing you've got to get right is is the willingness to learn. For me, learning is absolutely central to the journey. Um, you've got to be open to new ideas. You've got to be asking why. Um, because the reality is in a transformation, nobody has done this in this situation with this bunch of people. So if you believe that you've got it under control, um, in fact, I, on, on one of my recent roles, I sat down all the workstream leads and said to them, you know, we need to agree that we don't know what we're doing here. We have yep. to be prepared to learn. Um, you know, more than just new skills, um, it's it's really at the, you know, the idea of learning is about sensing and responding as things emerge. Um, how do we how do we take that and adjust what we're doing or, or, or confirm what we're doing? Yeah, that that's that's the thing for me. Set up the the agreement with everybody that we're going to learn. That's not come up before, which is which is really good. And and um, but yeah, totally totally accept and totally agree with you. Um, um, it's 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 having that ability, isn't it? That you know we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Often and we we might have a good idea, but you never yep. know because things happen. Um, and and the and unfortunately, a lot of people, when when stuff happens that we're not expecting, react to it. And and um, I, 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 what I take from what you just said, it's 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 step back and respond to it, investigate, yeah. understand, ask questions, and then respond. And, and respond responding is is ninety nine percent better in my experience than than reacting to stuff. Um, yeah, so. and, and and I think also there is this tendency in projects to focus on setting up process and managing compliance to the process. Yeah. Um, and yes, and I'll go back to the second point I had before about, yes, you do need good process, but that can't be the be-all and the end-all. You've got to be willing to, willing to listen. Yeah. Um, it's it's one of the three things that you spoke about. It's not. It's not in, in itself. It's not the one thing. It's yeah. one of the three things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Kieran. That that was really great. Uh, and, and thanks for your stories and your insights. Yeah. And so, yeah. so if people are looking to get hold of your book, um, where, where can they find it? Yeah. So it's called the Complex Project Toolkit. Um, not too sure. It's on Amazon. I'm not too sure how many countries have covered it at the moment. But it is um, on a website called the Book Depository, I believe, and they can ship worldwide. Oh, right. okay. Or or track me down on LinkedIn. Drop me a note on LinkedIn. I can always. Um, well, what uh, what we do on the on the show notes, we'll uh, we'll share your LinkedIn um, um, mm -hmm. uh, profile, um, so people can people can connect to you uh, via the uh, the show notes as well. And we'll also uh, we'll look for the link on Amazon uh, and drop yep. that into the show notes. Fantastic. Well, fair, brilliant. Um, and if, if anyone has any questions, are you happy for me to collate them and get them over to you? And, uh, you know, we, we can go back on uh, on a one-to-one on -one basis. If, yeah, if that, completely fine with that. Be good. Particularly if anybody reads a book and has some some alternate views on it, I'm, I'm certainly open to any kind of feedback. 
Brilliant. Well, once again, thanks a lot, Kieran. And um, yeah. yeah, great, 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 uh, great way to spend three quarters an hour. Yeah, thanks for your time. Once again, thank you, Kieran. That was a really great session. The Transformation Leaders Hub is growing uh, from strength to strength. So if you haven't already, check it out at www.thetransformationleadershub.com. It's a great way to build your network, interact with other people who operate within change and transformation, and who knows, create opportunities for each other. So hopefully I'll see you within the community very soon and um, look forward to catching up with you again on the next show in a couple of weeks' time.